Hi, and welcome to episode 36 of Set Your Mind To It with Michaela Campbell. This is a podcast where I share personal advice, tips, and life experiences to help like-minded, ambitious young women set their mind to it and achieve their goals. So welcome back, guys, for another episode. I have yet again been a little bit inconsistent with my creation of these episodes. It's always been one of the things with the podcast that has been a bit of a struggle for me and that it's definitely an area of growth where I need to keep working on it. It doesn't come naturally or easily always for these episodes to just be produced on a weekly basis. So I thought I would try fortnightly to take the pressure off myself from doing it every single week when I'm just getting back into it. But even doing it fortnightly, I still haven't quite shown up for it in the way that I would like to. But there has been a lot of things that I've been getting into place. So I'm super excited coming into the new year that things are going to be all aligned, ready to go for the new year, ready to get a coaching business up and going. So there's been lots of priorities and the podcast is something I'm still trying to figure out how to do it and just looking into different avenues about what's the best way for me to get inspiration and learning a little bit about the different styles of people and how we can produce content basically and I did find out that I respond better to when I am inspired by something whether it's someone giving me an idea or whether it's from you know getting engaged with a podcast and being inspired by an idea on that or by getting outdoors and just having some kind of moment that comes to me um so basically what I'm trying to say is that today's episode is one that I've picked because it was inspired by an episode a couple of episodes actually that I heard and it's going to be about how to optimize your body clock and I thought that this is a topic so I've actually put it off for a few weeks I had all the dot points I actually sat down to record this episode about three weeks ago and I was just not in the right headspace I thought, nah, there's no way I can turn up with a positive energy. Who wants to listen to someone who's in a grumpy mood? I'd actually been at the beach all day in absolute gale of winds and had gotten so much sand in my eyes that I couldn't sit here with my eyes open. And I was like, I could shut my eyes and record podcasts, but in my head I was just wanting to lay down and shut my eyes and have a snooze. So I didn't record the podcast, but I did have this idea. And I think that this episode is still relevant it's given me some more time to look up some ideas, but I have been struggling with a bit of a all or nothing mindset, like wanting it to be perfect, wanting to go back and re-listen to the episode so I can use the specific words in this episode. And I really have to practice what I preach. And that's why I think I keep on coming back to the podcast as almost a tool of personal development for myself, because it really shows you all your flaws when you've got a project like this that you're doing as just a passion project and you've got to put yourself on the line put yourself out there and produce something it really brings up all those areas of things that you struggle with so for me that's being a perfectionist and all or nothing mindset I wanted to do an episode on that but I wasn't quite in the space where I felt like I'd overcome my all or nothing mindset yet I didn't feel like I had enough tips to be able to be like here is the struggle I've had and here's the other side of it I think I'm still in the middle of it and I always want to give you guys something like I can give a little bit of insight some little bit of tips and a little bit more experience just so that you're finding it helpful rather than me just I always think it's important to share the struggle but also to share the learnings from it and I think I'm still in the very midst of learning how to deal with my all or nothing mindset in a very effective manner I know theoretically but I don't think I've 
effectively put it into practice yet so once I get that figured out I will share with you guys but the other exciting thing that I wanted to share on this podcast as well is I have shared in previous episodes I am going to be starting my own coaching business and one of the things that I knew I wanted to do was if I'm going to coach others I knew I wanted to have my own coach so not only did I do a coaching course and a business course a month or so ago now I have just recently hired myself my own coach so that I can practice what I preach in that area as well so it's super exciting I've had two sessions now and it's that little bit of motivation I need to keep on turning up keep on sticking to my goals I think I've had a lot of struggle with motivation and that might be an episode I actually want to do as well soon in terms of I have been struggling to feel motivated when I'm not right in the midst of the excitement sometimes we set a goal and that excitement is the driving force and then to keep that motivation and I feel like I probably have done an episode on this about not relying on motivation it's not going to get you far enough it's only going to be there where the excitement is and so I've been finding it hard to be in that middle space of not having launched something yet but still wanting to do it but not having belief in myself so that's where the coaching has come in so I'm super excited to share with you guys everything that I learn through that as well but that's enough of a love update from me Besides, I will briefly mention, I have got a very slight case of tonsillitis, so I'm not sure how long I'll be able to speak for in this episode. Voice is sounding okay so far. I've been um, working this morning and it warms up okay, so hopefully I'll be able to get through the episode, but heads up, if I wrap it up, that will be why. (laughs) But anyways, let's dive into the things I wanted to share about optimizing your body clock, because if you're the type of person listening to this podcast, which you are if you're listening, <laughs> then I assume you're wanting to set your mind to things, achieve your goals and kind of create that dream life. And a part of that often is having good habits and routines. And in order to do that, often having your body clock in sync makes everything fall into place a lot easier, such as having a good morning routine or having a good nighttime routine or even your routine throughout the day and having enough energy to do it or showing up the way you want to, I think we need to be looking after ourselves with our sleep and our schedules and making sure we've got a balance between work and life and rest. So I thought let's dive into like a bit more of like kind of technical actual tips today in this episode rather than broad mindset tips and actually give you some really practical tips about what you can do to optimize your body clock. Some of these are things I've implemented myself. Some of these are tips that I've picked up and I'm still wanting to implement and things that you guys can try as well so not claiming to be doing all of these myself I am far from perfect but I think there's a lot of good things to consider so even if you implement a couple which is kind of what I'm doing is trying to implement some one at a time and implement as many of us I can but yeah I thought I'd just share with you the little tips I've picked up so I've jotted them all down I'm going to work through this list and share with you what I have listed down so First thing, I'm going to go through a morning and a nighttime things to try at both ends of the day. So a lot of this has come from a podcast or two that I've listened to, but one of the things I heard was that sunlight first thing in the morning or even putting on your lights when you're inside is super helpful. So a lot of this has to do with the photons and this is where the words I wanted to look up, but I was like, no. Just put the episode out, doesn't matter matter if you're not using the exact correct terminology, the general idea is still going to be helpful. So I had to just pull myself up on it. But basically, 
you're wanting to get those receptors in your eyes to get the light photons so that then your body clock releases the hormones so that um, what's the opposite of the melatonin in the morning? Your awake hormone. It'll come to me in a second. <laughs> it's been a while since I've done biology. But basically, that sunlight in the morning, having that exposure within the first five to ten minutes or first half an hour, like as soon as you can within waking up, gives you that natural, it's almost like the trigger that your body clock needs to then hit reset, turn on again for the day. So what they were saying is that artificial light can work, but it's nowhere near as good as natural light. And it actually, in this episode I was listening to, was saying that natural light even coming through windows is not the same so if you were sitting inside your house or if you're sitting in your car or in a building it's not the same as being outside being exposed to that light without a filter so even glass is filtering that light so you actually want to if you can get right out in the sunlight get that direct exposure and the crazy thing that I was talking about was it's not just your eyes it's also your skin so if you can get sunshine on your skin we've got receptors all over our body and apparently that's not just receptors for touch and all those other sensations that we can receive in our body it's also for light which to me blows my mind because you would think that's just in the eyes right but apparently having exposure to your body all over not just your eyes super helpful so if you can't get exposure because you get up even earlier before the sun rises you can use artificial light have some really bright lights on and the other thing they were saying is overhead lights. So the a lot of these tips are going to be flipped for nighttime. At nighttime, it's have them under eye level. But in the morning, you want to have overhead lights above your eye level to kind of replicate that if you're doing it with artificial light to have that light above your eyes, just something to do with the way it's received again. So that was something I thought was really cool and something I've been trying to implement by I normally go to the gym first thing in the morning, but when I come back from the gym, I sit outside for my breakfast so that I'm actually in the direct sunlight or, you know, sitting under the shade but still outside without any filter between my eyes and receiving that light. So that's been something really cool to try and see if that makes a difference. Obviously, it would be better to do first thing, but for me, just kind of trying to do a little bit of trial and error and see where it fits into my routine that I've already got going. Um, I've shared this one before, but... Getting up at the same time every day, I think this one's going to be a bit of common sense that obviously if you get up at the same time each day, that's going to help with optimizing your body clock because we're setting, it's a 24-hour clock. We're giving it consistency in a routine. So I think that one makes sense, pretty self-explanatory. Another one was no caffeine two hours within waking up. So you might think, oh, caffeine would be a before bed tip. But they are also saying to give your body a chance to release those natural hormones and to not interrupt those processes that happen once the lights and your whole body goes, okay, we're awake now. If you don't have caffeine for those first two hours, it gives your body a chance to release those hormones, give the natural signals before caffeine then further stimulates. So if you use caffeine, it kind of stops some of those chemicals that would normally be released to help you wake up and feel energized. You're kind of using caffeine as a replacement This is one that I have heard, have not implemented successfully myself because I do like to go to the gym and I do like to have as much energy as possible for the gym. It's something that I would consider, but it's down the list of priorities of things I'm implementing at the moment. There was a few other ones. One is 
something I've tried myself and made a big difference to I think my overall mood and probably mental health that I've tried on and off throughout kind of COVID times and times when I haven't had to kind of go 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 in the morning and that's putting your phone away so there's two parts I've written here put phone away and get up on your first alarm so first of all I have made this a habit which is putting my phone in a different room was a tip given to me a by a friend and actually has changed my approach to I've done an episode on how to become a morning person if you're interested but this has helped me become a person that gets up on my first alarm and let me tell you even when I became a morning person I was not someone who would get up on the first alarm I would still have seven to nine alarms in my phone and I would still snooze them all and get up on the last one I'd still get up within the 20 or 30 minutes that I'd allocated myself of alarms but it didn't feel good. There was no self-trust. I wasn't trusting myself to get up on the first alarm. And that's a whole different episode about self-trust and why you should follow through with things that you set the night before. But I used to never be able to roll myself over, hit snooze and then get up straight away. But what I've done is put it in a separate room, turn off the alarm, and then I don't go back to bed unless I'm absolutely exhausted. And once or twice I do occasionally. But I try and just hit snooze and then get straight into my routine, go downstairs, and just like open the little curtains if it's already light outside or turn on some lights. That's one thing I do do is turn on overhead lights straight away and then go downstairs, open curtains because normally the sun's just starting to rise about 5.30 in the morning where I am. So that's something that was the first part of that is get up on your first alarm because that helps as well with just that self-trust. But then, you know, you're hearing something and you're not going in and out of those cycles of sleep. So get up on that first alarm and then put your phone away. This is potentially more for a little bit mood and I'm not sure how much it's going to help with your circadian rhythm, but I put it in here anyway, is that don't spend like at least the first hour on your phone and you'll hear a lot of successful celebrities, successful people just sharing this tip is that they don't spend the first hour of their phone doing anything but things for themselves to set up their mind and their whole outlook on the day really well. So they don't have their phones out, they don't check emails, they don't go on social media and that's something that I tried for a good period of time, not going on my phone at all for the first hour or two and it was a game changer. I've fallen back into the habit of like quickly checking emails and deleting a few things and just quickly checking all of the notifications but I tell you the difference it made to my morning when I just didn't look at it because those things that you're checking at 5.30 can wait till 7am. If you haven't seen it, the night before at 11 o'clock, the difference between 5.30 and 7 o'clock or whatever your time that you're getting up at is not going to make a huge difference. So that's one I'd highly recommend just to give you a better start to the day. And then this is another one that, again, will be a nighttime tip as well. But it's a cold shower in the morning. And again, you'll hear tons of successful, successful people. Sorry, the voice is starting to go a little bit now, guys but a cold shower in the morning to help with alertness. So there's a different reason for it at nighttime, but a cold shower in the morning, there's a thousand benefits that people talk about. I'm still slowly trying to convince myself to get into a really good routine. But in saying that, I have actually implemented the cold shower in the morning and afternoon, but what I do, it's not very first thing, and this is something you could definitely do first thing because the way it works in the morning is that coldness actually alerts you and just perks you up, ready to go, which you can imagine, something cold, shock to the system, you're like, okay, right, we've got to go, we've got to be up, focused, alert, the body's just instantly ready to go, right? That's something I do after I'll go do my workout, 
I'll have my regular shower temperature and then at the end of the shower for the last like 30 seconds is all I'm tolerating at the moment and the water's not even that cold where I am but I'll turn it to full cold and find that it actually does help with alertness which is crazy when it, the reason I say to do it at night is completely opposite for this but in the morning it works to increase alertness it feels great you're ready to go you feel like again you've developed a bit of self-trust because you've done something that you don't want to do but you've done it anyway so that's a great one to try as well so to sum up there's a lot more for nighttime but for morning optimizing your body clock get out in the sunlight first thing if you can I think Tim Ferriss was speaking about this there has been quite a lot of different podcasts I was listening to about this but he says he goes out for like five or ten minutes and does a little like stretch or yoga or something outside in the direct sunlight trying to do it with like his top off if you can so as much skin exposed as possible no caffeine for the first two hours if that's something you want to try getting up at the same time consistent body clock is always going to be essential to optimizing your body clock putting your phone away and getting up on that first alarm and just having that first hour to yourself and having a cold shower to increase your alertness so there's different ways you could order that but I would recommend trying one or two at the very least to see how that goes with your routine so now I want to go through the nighttime things you can do to optimize your body clock And I came up with a lot. They just kept on coming up and up and up. So, yeah, there was a lot. (laughs) Basically, let's start from the top and work the way down. I think that's going to be the best way to do it. So, first point for the nighttime routine is decreasing overhead light at night. So, like I was saying before about the overhead light in the morning, decreasing overhead light. So, what they were saying in this episode was that lamps are great, um, anything below eye level. So, Get rid of, don't have any of the lights overhead on like that you might have in the kitchen or the lounge room. Only lamps and you want them to be nice and dim and dull. I think it's down here but I'm going to jump to it now because I think it relates is to try red lights. And this is one, like I said, some of these are just tips that I've heard and haven't had a chance to implement myself. But this guy, he had his body clock or his whole body system like optimized to a T like it was nuts. But he said all of his lights in his house were red. I don't think they used any lights during the day and then the ones that they did have at nighttime were red lights. Apparently, you know how you wear blue light blocking glasses? So that's my other point is to decrease blue lights. You can do that with your blue light blocking glasses or those um, settings on your phone that let you decrease the blue light emission. The opposite of that, if you're decreasing blue light, you'd be increasing the red light. And if you think about this back in our hunter-gatherer days, when we're a bit more attuned with our body clocks and the natural processes of day and night, at night time, what light source would you have? A fire. That would be your only light source, right? So the red light, ready orange tinge, warm tinges of light are coming from a fire. So at night time, that's the only light that your body would be used to seeing. So it's not probably going to disrupt your hormones and chemicals as much as a blue light would, which is more representative of like your daytime and sunlight. So, or just electronics, I guess, as well. But red lights, so you can try and purchase these. That's why I haven't done that yet because it would be things you need to do and trying different settings on your phone so it's got more reddish tinge than the blue tinge. But that's definitely a big thing. that I think everyone's pretty aware of the blue lights, but I thought it was really interesting when he spoke about that he changed all of the globes in his house to red lights. I was like, that's extreme. But he was really committed to getting his body clock and his body working in optimal fashion even for his kids the whole house was like red lights just bizarre so 
anyways, I digress. <laughs> my next point, again, some of these will might be quite uh, straightforward and common sense, but I'm going to throw them out there anyway because sometimes it's just that reminder that you might need to implement that habit again. This one is no food two hours before bed. I think I hear a lot of people saying that, like they can't sleep immediately after eating food. And also like the density or the size, the portion of your meal can play into this too, I believe. But I have definitely found myself, I have had a massive struggle with binge eating, snacking late at night, eating way, like the huge majority of my calories in the evening, which meant I could never get to sleep early. Like I would stop eating it. It would depend but like oftentimes last snack at 10 30 those times I probably wasn't getting to sleep till midnight even if I was trying to get to bed at 11 like I couldn't physically get myself to wind down and sleep before then so even when I wound my clock way back from then now now what I do is my aim is bedtime around 9 30 I try my best it doesn't happen as consistently as I'd like by any means but to have my last kind of meal around 7.30, like snacks, even cup of tea, anything that your stomach's going to be digesting. I really am trying to make a focus on eating a lot more food earlier in the day rather than restrict, 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 and then have the majority of my food in the evening, which makes no sense because it's when your body's resting, you need the fuel during the day. So I'm playing around as well with having a bigger lunch and letting myself have a snack when I need it during the day rather than just thinking, oh, I'll have a big dinner and then I'll have big snacks because I'm so starving that I have no self-control. So that might be another episode I'll do about that kind of binging cycle because I think it's something in this day and age, it's quite common, unfortunately, but something I'm definitely playing around with and that two hours before bed, not having food makes a massive difference in like quality of sleep, time to get to sleep, just the ability to wind down and feel like, okay, cool. Like you don't actually realize how much it affects your body. And so I think if that's one of the only things you try from this, it would be one of the really important ones that I've found in terms of when I don't do that, I definitely find I stay up later. If I end up having food up till nine o'clock, then it's really hard to get to sleep at 9.30. It just doesn't happen. I end up, you know, quarter past 10 might be the earliest I'll get to sleep. So no food two hours before bed. Another one that I heard, I think it was a different podcast. Like I said, there was quite a few different ones and they all had some really great tips on them, some really cool stuff that people had experimented with. And one of them was the nighttime temperature. And I think I might have put this down as well. Like obviously you want to create that optimal environment, dark and quiet, which I'll go through in a second. But temperature was one that I hadn't really heard spoken about much in terms of getting a good night's sleep so that you have a good quality sleep and then therefore you've gone through your full sleep cycles and wake up fully refreshed and energized so part of this is about optimizing your sleep quality and environment so the nighttime temperature of where you sleep apparently they've done studies and research and the optimal temperature is 17 to 18 degrees celsius if you're not from somewhere that does celsius and i thought this was really interesting and one of the there was two people obviously it was an interview and one of the guys was like oh I think it was Jay Shetty was saying he normally sleeps with it at 19 and the other guy was like, well, actually close, but the optimal temperature that we found in our studies was 17 to 18 degrees. So I've been playing around with like making my room really cold and keeping out that temperature overnight. 
still playing around with it like some nights I wake up sweaty and I'm not sure if that's because it's actually hot and the airco isn't keeping it cool or whether my body's not (laughs) quite used to I don't know I haven't figured that one out but I do find it helps me get to sleep quicker when I'm really comfortable and cool and able to kind of cuddle up under the duna covers or blankets and the guy that the guy being interviewed said was when you go to hop into bed if you're taking off your clothes into just your light pajamas or whatever or no clothes like whatever you're sleeping in you should feel a little bit chilly and want to hop under the covers that's the temperature that it should be it should be a little bit cold and uncomfortable if you're not rugged up so that's the idea that you hop under and then make yourself warm so that one is also a new one that I've been experimenting with which I think coming into summertime, if you're in Australia, if you're elsewhere, it might be winter, I don't know <laughs> where you are listening from, but it's a cool one to experiment with getting that right room temperature of, they say, 17 to 18 degrees Celsius. Not sure what that is in Fahrenheit. Uh, back to the caffeine. Like I said, a lot of these are flip of the morning ones, but this one is no caffeine within five to six hours prior going to bed. So... Caffeine has a half-life of five to six hours and that's why it's that time frame. So it means that your caffeine will stay in your system for about 10 hours, but I think that's how it works. I feel like a pharmacist or someone would be able to explain half-lives better than I can. But the half-life of the chemical, which is the caffeine, it will still be half of it will be left in your system at the five to six hour mark. So if you have a coffee at, let's say, 4 p.m., then at 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, nine o'clock at night I almost get on counting then at nine o'clock you've still got half of it left in your system that's my understanding of the half-life anyway I remember getting super confused in chemistry about how half-lives worked but I think if I'm correct that would make sense let me know if I'm wrong <laughs> but the half of that caffeine is still in your system so at 9 p.m at night if you had a coffee at four you still got half of that caffeine so let's say you had a proper coffee from a cafe so you'd still have like 60 milligrams of coffee or something in your blood stream or in your body which isn't conducive to sleep we want that caffeine to be well and truly out of your system so five to six hours to make sure that at least half of it is out I feel like I might have butchered half-life but anyways no caffeine five to six hours before bedtime so being mindful of when your last coffee is and all of those kind of things that like tea might contain caffeine so that you do find that when you get to bedtime you can actually wind down and I have found this if I have like a pre-workout at five o'clock that definitely then impacts one my ability to get to sleep and two the quality of my sleep a lot of these things might be things that you're like oh I'm fine I'm not affected by caffeine I would say that too I don't feel much at all when I have caffeine like honestly nothing but I think it affects the quality of your sleep even if you don't have any issues getting to sleep I remember in high school trying to stay up as late as I could to study in year 12 and that if I had coffee at like I remember having a coffee at 11 p.m at night falling asleep on my forearms on my desk at midnight so I could fall asleep literally straight after having coffee but the quality of your sleep not great and even a lot of people that are more sensitive to caffeine the ability to get to sleep not great so think about that not only is it how quickly you get to sleep it's the quality of sleep as well I haven't drawn this down, but it just came to me. Alcohol before you go to sleep or just at nighttime. Although people will find that they have it as like a nightcap, just one or two to relax so I can wind down and go to bed. You might get to sleep quicker, sure, 
but alcohol is a depressant that like helps wind down the system but I think it's a depressant it's definitely not a stimulant so (laughs) sorry just thinking that through my head there um now I've lost my train of thought (laughs) but if you have alcohol before bed you might have heard this as well but it affects the quality of your sleep even one glass of wine people then cut it out and don't have that glass of wine or that beer or a couple of beers or wines whatever it is before bed find that oh well sure maybe they're not falling asleep quite as quickly although that doesn't seem to be the common reports but the quality of the sleep is immensely improved just dramatically improved because people don't realize that that alcohol is stopping them from getting into a really deep sleep so there's four cycles or five sorry five stages of sleep and there's four of your non-REM so you've got REM where you dream but then there's four stages and you want to get into that deep fourth stage each cycle that you go through we generally go through I think it's five to six maybe seven if you have a long sleep cycles per night they're approximately 90 minutes this is a bit of psychology coming out for you I learned this back in high school but you want to make sure you get through those deep cycles and if you're having the alcohol it might mean that you're not getting into those deep cycles or that you're not staying there for long and that's really important both your non-REM so your sleep where you dream is really important but so is your deep sleep One's really important for your body to recover and one's really important for your mind to recover. So you need both the stages. So if you're having a drink at night or caffeine at night and then not feeling super rested the next day, even though you might have gone to bed at 9.30 and gotten up at 6 or whatever, or 6.30, I don't know. If you still got a good eight hours or seven hours, let's say, and you still don't feel rested, if you've got things in your system that are having an effect on your quality of sleep, that'll be why. Okay, so then let's go to the next point before I start to lose my voice same as the morning one was the flip of it is going to bed at the same time makes sense if you want to have a good optimized body clock you need to have a consistent sleep routine and I think this is something I found helps massively with actually being able to wake up and not feel I used to wake up and feel super horrendous like I would feel sick I'd have a headache just feel like absolutely atrocious and the only well not the only there's been lots of things that have changed but one of the biggest changes was going to bed at the same time and getting up at the same time the headache gone and I actually remember last week I changed my routine for the first time in a while I've started actually I went part-time physio just a little side note and started doing some f45 instead doing some shifts as a trainer which meant getting up at quarter past four in the morning instead of 5 30 in the morning so only earlier by about an hour and 15 maybe an hour and 10 minutes realistically with the time my alarms actually are but I woke up on that first day of that different earlier time with a headache I went to bed pretty early like I went to bed about nine ish nine thirty, probably asleep by but I woke up with that headache and just feeling really ugh. the second day not so bad this week I've just done it this morning felt fine felt the same as a 5 30 wake up besides being a little bit interrupted sleep but it's just mad that that difference of getting used to your body clock how quickly we adapt and when you're not used to getting up at a certain time you can feel absolutely crap so that consistent bedtime and consistent wake up time are honestly so important so maybe scratch what I said before if you took nothing else from this episode having a consistent sleep and wake time are going to be the best things to optimize your body clock then the rest of this is kind of like that's your cake the foundation the base of your cake and the rest of these things are like the frosting and icing on the cake so that would be 
actually the most important thing. This one, you've probably all heard it a thousand times before, but it's screen-free time before bed. Depending on your discipline, you could vary the time, but a lot of the recommendations that I was hearing was about 30 minutes of screen-free time. It's that blue light, but it's also that mental stimulation to your mind when we're on social media, anything like that. It's just constant hits of dopamine. Our brain wants more, 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 and it's constant activity, and it's not letting us settle into that really nice peaceful state so no social media for 30 minutes before bed I haven't been great with this one it's definitely something I want to get better at and try and read a book just anything that's not electronic basically before bedtime for half an hour maybe do your meditation and mindfulness maybe you read a book maybe you just chill something anything just no social media (laughs) this one all goes into that creating a good sleep environment Um, They call it sleep hygiene, if you've heard it referred to as this, like having a good environment. So make sure it's dark. This is something that my room is definitely not dark enough. I can still see we've got street lights, got those little shutter blinds that let all the lights through in the creeks. Creeks? Creases? Gaps? (laughs) Oh, my brain's turned off now. I (laughs) apologise. But dark environment and decreased noise, super quiet. It all makes sense. These are just reaffirming things that you probably already know and there was the other flip side of the cold showers have a cold shower at night right before you go to bed I tend to shower twice a day now because of my exercise and I have actually found this again we wouldn't think makes sense when I've just told you that the cold shower is for alertness in the morning but there's something about If you have a cold shower at night, it brings your body temperature back down into that good range. So again, kind of similar to that idea of having the external room temperature at an optimal temperature. It's getting your body to cool down. So if you've been active, go, 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 doing things, your body's warm from running about. It's about bringing that body temperature back down so that then you're ready to go into that peaceful stage. Because what if this is what kind of made sense to me is that when you go to sleep, your body actually cools down throughout the night by I think maybe don't quote me on this at all please but about a degree like it drops throughout the night so by having that cold shower right before you go to bed you're kind of processing processing speeding up that process is what I meant to say of getting your body into that state like that physiological state of cooling off winding down and part of that is your body temperature so if you can assist that I've found that I get into bed and it's almost like I'm more ready for sleep because I've got a nice cool room and then my body's nice and cool. I've got a nice quiet room and hopefully I haven't been looking at too many bright overhead lights so that when I get into bed, I'm already quite close to being ready for sleep rather than having to one, wind down my mind, one, sorry, one, wind down my mind, two, then my body has to like, like slow itself down, cool itself down. And all of those kind of things, it's kind of like you're just getting that little bit of a jump start on no social media. So you slow the mind, slowing your, cooling your body with a bit of cold water. So it's just all little helpful things that you can kind of implement to optimize. And that's what this episode was about, optimizing your body clock. So the little tips and tricks that I think are really cool to try out. And I found it does feel refreshing at night, but it does make me feel ready for bed. I'm like, oh, I'm cool. I'm refreshed, especially it's summertime where I am. So that might be helpful. Still, you get the exact same benefits though in the winter because you're still cooling your body temperature down by getting that cool shower going. 
or cold shower. Um, I did have here a few little dot points just that now I'm looking at, I'm like, mm, don't know if they're going to tie in so well here, but basically just saying that, oh yeah, the light and dark cycle. So what I was saying to about optimizing your body clock is that if you're someone who's like, say for example, you work in an office with no lights and it's just all artificial light. One, super depressing. Don't know how you do it. <laughs> Two, they were saying that the less time that you spend in light, the worse that your sleep quality is. So you actually during the day, not only that very first exposure, but throughout the day, if you can expose yourself to natural sunlight, much better than artificial light, because again, I wrote a little dot point here for you guys, <laughs> is that artificial lights are only 1% of the brightness of natural light. So by throwing yourself into natural light, it's so, 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 so much more effective on your body clock than artificial light will be. So in the morning, if you can't, like if it's pitch black outside, artificial light will do, but it's nowhere near as good. Like we're talking 1% of the brightness, but still better than nothing to help slightly kick your body clock into gear. So they were saying that during the day, getting exposure to sunlight will improve your sleep quality, which I thought was really cool. So relating to that light and dark cycle, not only first thing, but throughout the day. Then another thing that I read, so this wasn't a podcast, was that um, some triggers was that for the light and dark cycle and your sleep cycle is that when your food intake is restricted, that can alter your body clock as well. And I didn't write enough notes down on this, but it had something to do with the effect on your suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is a little part of your brain, but something to do with when you restrict your food, that then it impacts your sleep and your body clock. And I can definitely attest to this is that when I was calorie counting and restricting, I definitely found that I think part of that was that then I was eating a lot at night because I had that bit of a, oh my God, my body is like telling me, you're not going to feed me. You need to give me more food now. And it all happened to be at night time. And then that throws out your body clock, but there was more to it as well. Um, so if you're interested, you can Google that one, but just sort of drop that in as well, seeing as I jotted it down. That's actually all the dot points I had. And I can feel my throat's getting a little tickly. So I'm going to wrap it up now as we're hitting almost 40 minutes anyway. So those are my tips for optimizing your body clock for in the morning and in the evening. Lots of tips around sunlight and caffeine and social media and electronics and cold shower and temperature. So some different areas to play around with depending on what you've already kind of got in place for yourself. If you haven't got any kind of routine at all, start with getting consistent times and then add in these little things as you're icing on the cake but see how you go let me know if any of these are helpful for you I am on social media just at my Instagram my personal one now Michaela Campbell it's M-I-K-A-I-L-A Campbell on Instagram so you can find me there and feel free to send me a message let me know what you're liking about the podcast what you're not liking I'm always 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 really open to hearing feedback so that I know that I'm providing things that are of value and of interest to you. So please don't be afraid to reach out and let me know. I'd love to hear from you. So that's it from me today. Thanks for listening and I'll chat to you guys next time. Bye.